So the change in the weather is getting to my throat. It's and then of course with fall coming, then we're gonna have some rain, and then what's that bring up? Brings up all kinds of junk. All kinds of stuff to get into your throat then. Okay. Before we get into our lesson, I got a little story here. <clears throat> Farmer Joe decided his injuries from the accident were serious enough to take the trucking company responsible for the accident to court. In court, the, tru- the trucking company's fancy lawyer was questioning Farmer Joe. Didn't you say at the scene of the accident, I'm fine? Asked the lawyer. Well, Farmer Joe responded, well, I'll tell you what happened. I had just loaded my favorite mule, Bessie, into the... I didn't ask for any details, the farmer interrupted. Just answer the question. Did you not say at the scene of the accident, I'm fine? Farmer Joe said, well, I just got Bessie into the trailer and I was driving down the road. The lawyer interrupted again and said, judge... I am trying to establish the fact that at the scene of the accident, this man told the highway patrolman on the scene that he was fine. Now, several weeks after the accident, he's trying to sue my client. I believe he is a fraud. Please tell him to simply answer the question. By this time, the judge was fairly interested in Farmer Joe's answer and said to the lawyer, I'd like to hear what he has to say. Joe thanked the judge and proceeded, Well, as I was saying, I had just loaded Bessie into the trailer and and was driving her down the highway when a this huge semi-truck and trailer ran the stop sign and smacked into my truck on the right side. I was thrown into a ditch, and Bessie was thrown into the other. I was hurting really bad. I didn't want to move. However, I could hear old Bessie moaning and groaning. I knew she was in terrible shape just by her groans. Shortly after the accident, the highway patrolman came on the scene. He could hear Bessie moaning and groaning, so he went over to her. After he looked at her, he took out his gun and shot her right between the eyes. Then the patrolman patrolman came across the road with his gun in his hand and looked at me and said, Your mule was in such bad shape, I had to shoot her. So, then he asked me how was I, I was doing, and I said, I'm fine. <laughs> so I'll ask you, how you doing? <laughs> so, I hope you're fine as frogs here. We are looking at uh, the next Think, well, let's, let's go over again what it is. It's Galatians 5, 22 
through 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, and what's next? Goodness. Well, goodness, we're going to look at that. So in working with goodness and understanding some things, I mean, how much goodness do you see in the world right now? You know, and I mean, that's even right around home. You know, and seeing stuff. I, it was, I was heading to town, uh, going north and just had to run an errand, get some stuff. And I cut over into the far right lane and I was just tooling on along because it was mostly clear. And this lane terminates into a turnoff. So it's like if you get mile to two miles back, you're still in a turning lane, you know, that type of thing, because you can only get off if you stay in that lane. There was some lady, I would say young to middle age, driving alone in a U-Haul. And she was booking right along. She was weaving in and out of traffic trying to get through there. Now, we've gone from 70, which has always been more than 70 nowadays, and uh, and she was still trying to do over 70 through a 60-mile-an-hour area. And a lot of traffic in those two inside lanes, the middle lane and the, and the nearest inside lane. So she's trying to cut around, and she cuts into the center lane. I am behind a white car, a Mazda, I think it was, a sedan the size of my cruise. And all of a sudden, Blinker comes on on this truck, and comes right over and pushes that poor lady. Man, I'm not sure who it was, to tell you the truth. I couldn't tell. Right off the road. They had to go onto the shoulder because that truck just went. And there wasn't anything gentle about it. And I don't think that lady even knew it. Because she was not paying attention. Her biggest thing was tunnel vision. Just tunnel vision. So, not a lot of goodness there. No, a lot of not a lot of politeness on the road, and it gets harder all the time. To, you know, I see stuff. It wasn't a bad trip this morning, but I was tooling along there, and I'm I'm doing 75, and you're safe at 75 now. You're considered slow a lot of ways. I only, I think I only passed one or two cars coming down. Just, I'm doing 75 in the center lane, and then whew, whew, two cars zipping past me, got to be doing 85. And so, okay, I'm watching this. It's okay. This is dangerous. So, it was fortunately, there was not a lot of traffic on southbound. And since school, there there isn't that much traffic on southbound. So, goodness. So, we use that word a lot of times, don't we? <clears throat> you know. For goodness sakes. Excuse me. <coughs> there we go again, hitting that thing. So <coughs> we'll use goodness a lot of times in our life for, you know, for different things, you know. And uh, seeing something, oh, that looks good. So good is, is a word, it's positive, right? Everything is positive with it. And in this lesson, we're seeing everything in here, you know, is, is uh, 
love, joy, long, uh, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperaments, they're all good. They're good, positive traits they are supposed to be in our lives. Do we exhibit them all the time? I know I can't. I try. That that lady worked me up. So I so okay. What am I going to do here? So I had an opportunity to get in front of her because she got behind some slow traffic, and I got over when the lane went from three to two. You know what I did? I did a terrible thing. I did the speed limit. Wow. Behind me. Couldn't get around me. Trucks were doing the same speed, which is kind of surprising, too. They were doing 60, 62 maybe. And finally, I, I had the opportunity to get over because I had to get off, and I let her go by, and vroom, and she went flying by. It's that whole stretch that starts all the way up until you get above Centralia. So goodness is an, is an important thing. Goodness is important in our lives, especially to be a testimony. The Bible makes it clear to us that fallen man in his sinful nature has absolutely no natural goodness. Turn to Romans chapter 3 and chapter 7. Chapter 3, verse 12, chapter 7, verse 18, Romans. Romans chapter 3, verse 12. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Then Romans chapter 7, verse 18. For I know that in that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but to perform that which is good I find not. So Paul had a good understanding on it. And Paul, it's got to be somebody that you look to for spiritual guidance in the Word of God and how much he's written to us in the New Testament. And he understands the problems. He understands what we go through. So I turn to uh, Proverbs chapter 20. In one, and then in your other hand, turn to Luke 16, 15. So Proverbs 20, Luke 16. We don't have a lot of information, but we're going to be bouncing back and forth in some different areas. Proverbs 20, Luke 16. Proverbs 26 says, Most men proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. Unregenerated men will often be religious and and by or by uh, by religious and humanitarian acts convince themselves they are good by nature. So everybody thinks, okay, we're just good, you know, but who can find them? Who can find them? These religious do-gooders deny the fact that the only by the fruit of the Holy Spirit of God after regeneration can a member of a fallen human race express any real goodness in the truest biblical sense of the word. 
in Luke 16, 15 says, And he said unto them, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Businesses, just all through business, dealing with business. So, so the first category we're going to go through, we got four categories we're going to go through. First category is the goodness is part of God's nature. Let's turn to Psalms. We've got Psalms 107 and Psalms 135. Psalms 107, Psalms 35, 135. Psalms 107, 1 says, O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. So we see, the text tells us that God is good, and the reason for this is found in his mercy. How many times did we have to come to God and ask for mercy on things? A lot of times. Because we're still in the flesh. And we still have to deal with what keeps it out of it. What keeps us out of it is this book helping us to get through those tough times. So we see in that, well, look at Psalms 35, uh, 135.3, the Bible tells us that the Lord is good, and because of this, we are to sing praises to his name. In Psalms 35.3 says, praise the Lord, 135.3 says, praise the Lord, for the Lord is good, sing praises unto his name, for it is pleasant. How is it that we can always have trouble memorizing Scripture, but if we hear it as a song, we can remember it more? You can remember it more. It's amazing. So that's goodness. Is uh, What we see is, this, is part of God's nature. He is eternally good. The second lesson in this uh lesson in goodness or, or second uh, part of it is the goodness of God manifests itself toward men. Webster defines goodness as acts of kindness, charity, humanity exercised. Humanity exercised. Turn to, well, we're going to be three in Psalms again. So stay in Psalms. Turn to chapter 33, 5. 33, 5. We see there in 33.5, the tokens of the Lord's goodness to us is found everywhere in nature and in our daily lives. How can we see so much war going on, but yet we can see the flowers come up? And we can see life being sustained. We are polluting the air but yet those flowers still smell good. His creation. Psalms 33, 5, He loveth righteousness and judgment. The earth is full of the goodness 
of the Lord. And in Psalms 107.8, it says, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. We are told to praise the Lord for his goodness that he has shown toward us. We have to do that towards others. So how, how do we know that somehow we're going to reconnect with that person or connect at that point? And if something's not shown right in us, how can we be a witness? How can you be a witness to somebody that when he sees hypocrisy in us? Uh, you've been there, so have I. It's hard sometimes. We look at it because we get so invested in our own situation, we can't take the time to think about somebody else. And then look at Psalms 23.6. Psalms 23.6. David was assured of the blessings of God's continual goodness throughout his life and for all eternity. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David knew it was important to be in church. He knew the importance of, you know, what we said. He was in temple, okay? Still heard the word of God. So it was important to see that that mercy endures forever. The next category is the goodness is characterized in the lives of men. Turn to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. We're going to read it 14 and 15. Luke chapter 8, 14 and 15. This passage of good ground is the, the seed that falls on this good, receptive heart. You know the story, and I'm not going to get into the whole thing, but it's sowing the seed. But Luke eight fourteen through 15, it says, And that which fell among the thorns are they which when they have heard go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. The crop doesn't yield out good fruit. Something's corrupt there. But on the good ground, he's talking about men's hearts, are they which in the uh, honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it, and it bring forth fruit with patience. Takes time, too. Says you gotta have patience. The farmer just doesn't throw seeds in the ground and then poof, crops come up. He has to get into the, uh, orchard and prune the trees back and test them and encourage them to produce more fruit. It's called purging. Purging. Sometimes God has to purge us of a few things so that we can perform better and 
deliver better fruit in our own lives. So turn to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. John chapter 1, verse 47. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and said unto him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Nathanael is a good ground prospect because of the clean-cut honesty of motive and character in seeking the truth. This is the motive that all good works spring from. So all good works. Nathaniel was honest before Christ talking to him, you know, when he, when he says, okay, here's Nathaniel and an Israelite indeed in whom there is no guile. He could recognize it, but well, he was God. He could see it. Turn to Proverbs chapter tw- uh, 12. Proverbs 12. We're going to go back and forth a little bit here. Go back to Proverbs. God looks with favor upon those that manifest the quality of good character. The quality of good character. A good man obtaineth favor of the Lord. This is uh, verse 2. But a man of wicked devices will he condemn. Wicked devices. Look at the wicked devices going on all the time in our government, in countries, all around the world. Wicked devices. They're trying to get their way. Go back to New Testament. We're going to Romans. Romans 15, 15, 14. It tells us that the Christian should be full of goodness. Romans 15, 14. And I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that ye also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. What's a person doing to admonish you? What's a person doing to admonish me? Encourage us to stay right. Encourage us to stay in the right path. Sometimes that admonishment might be a little bit bitter. But a lot of the times when we're admonishing somebody is because we've been through it and we can direct that friend, that fellow believer in the path that he needs to follow or she needs to follow. Titus 1, 8. Turn to Titus chapter 1, verse 8. Christians should be lovers of good men. People are known by the company they keep and those whom they admire. Sometimes the company you keep aren't people you should admire. And that's what gets you in trouble. That's what's got me in trouble in the past. Titus 1.8 But a lover of hospitality 
a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate. He's instructing Titus. Paul is instructing Titus to be lovers of good men. They should be your buddies. Instead of the one that's pulling you down. Instead of the one that's trying to teach you some bad language or bad jokes. Sometimes you've got to walk away. Just got to walk away. So, that's the goodness is characterized in the lives of men. So we see goodness, and also we can see where Satan is in control of their lives to a certain degree, because they're not following goodness. Now the lost, you can be friends with the lost person, but you'll see the limitations that God has given us to even those that are saved. Because there are good men out there that are lost. Just in certain areas, they're lost, but they realize that there's some things that are good to do and good ways to act and proper ways to speak and do the right thing before people, to be polite and things like that. So the last category we're going to look at is the fruit of goodness manifests itself in the life of the Christian by good works. By good works. Turn to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. Go back just a little ways. Not too far. Acts chapter 10. Verse 38, how God appointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. The Bible says that the Lord Jesus Christ went about doing good during his earthly ministry. Always. Now, it doesn't mean he didn't try to correct that which was evil. And he would. He verbally would go after the hypocrites that were in power, the religious group and the, and the political group. But he's trying to instruct them and shock them in the understanding that they are in sin. That they're not even following the words they say and the laws they believe in that, that are in their life especially in the temple and in business and in all things like that. You see it all through. If you read Proverbs, you see what God tells us, how we should instruct ourselves in business and in, in dealing with people, dealing with employees as a businessman, things of that nature. Turn to Matthew chapter 7, verse 17. The old saying is that what is in the well will come up in the bucket. So what's down inside will come out. We got to be careful. But it's T 
TV gets worse and worse and worse and worse. So we just we get the bare minimum on our TV, so we're not getting all the rest of the junk. We don't get into the movies uh, unless some are cleaned up. In in, uh, in but a lot of the scenes you can't clean up, so you just click, turn it off, go around it, avoid it. Matthew seven seventeen. Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. Evil fruit. What, is, what does God call us? Don't, doesn't he call us trees? He calls us trees. And a tree is what? Grounded, right? And if you're in good ground, you're going to bring forth good fruit. If you're not grounded in good things, you're not going to bring good fruit out. Turn to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew 12. See something similar here. 1235. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. So, bad fruit put in with good fruit. What happens to the good fruit? Starts to turn bad, doesn't it? The bad fruit does not turn, or the good fruit does not turn the bad fruit good. Does it? No. Turn to Second Thessalonians chapter two. Second Thessalonians chapter two, and then Hebrews thirteen. Second Thessalonians chapter two, Hebrews. 13. I try to group all these verses in groups of two when they're in a similar idea because I know that none of you have three hands because I don't have three hands. So I'm trying to stick the two. So one hand, the other hand. So Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 17. It says, A Christian is to be established in good works by good works, he establishes himself in his own mind as a growing Christian. By good works, he establishes himself to other Christians as a true believer, to the lost world as a genuine testimony for this, of the saving grace of God. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 17. Comfort your hearts establish you in every good word and work. Every good word and work. And then in Hebrews 13, 21, the Christian that is established in good works is a complete Christian, a complete Christian. Hebrews 13, 21, make you perfect in every good work to do his will working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. 
So we see that working goodness strengthens our goodness in us and can shine out of us, basically, when people see it in us, trying to do what is right before God. You know, they're going to see you when you fail, but how you handle that makes a difference too. So even confession, when it comes to before your fellow workers or your family or whatever, you confess, hey, I messed up here, and i got to get this right. Turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Still, all this is in the fruit of goodness manifests itself in the life of the Christian by good works. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. So our good works glorify God in that they are a reflection of what God is all about and who he is. If we profess to know God, and the only thing that can validate that can be a profession of good works. So Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. Let your light so shine before men. Oh, he's a do-gooder. Oh, he's a do-gooder. Oh, what's the matter? You know, you're going to start egging you on or something like that. It's it's a... It says, I know what it is. And they may see, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You want men to see the good works in you. Because it gives glory to God. Titus chapter 1 and chapter 3. Titus chapter 1, chapter 3. Oh, I missed one here. Let me go to that. Yeah, no, I'm all right. I'm all right because we've got another one that shows up a little bit later. Titus chapter 1, chapter 3. one sixteen in Titus, They profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him, being abominable and disobedient, and unto every good work reprobate. And then Titus chapter 3, verse 8. This is a faithful saying, and these things I will that, that thou affirm constantly, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. Good and profitable. You can be an influence on the lost if you stay faithful to God in your good works. And let those good works go towards them. There could be somebody that's really hammering you. Don't give up on them. Be nice to them. Kill them with kindness, as the old saying goes. Kill them with kindness. And you could tell eventually, and it's happened to me, when they had a problem and they're vexed by something that's really bothering, especially when their child is hurt or something like that and going through some physical issues that are going to be permanent in that little child. They come and they're asking for help then. Asking, basically, would you pray for my child? And that's... Nothing will thrill your heart more to yourself because you keep it to yourself, but you can praise God in your heart that this person sees in you 
that God is resident in your life. Is resident in your life. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. First Peter chapter three, verse sixteen. We should live so that those who speak evil of us as Christians are branded liars. That what they're saying turns back at them. First Peter chapter three, verses sixteen and seventeen. Having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as evildoers. They be, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. Yeah, you, they want you to laugh at their dirty jokes or their foul language or their foul actions. Verse 17, for it is better if the will of God be so that ye suffer for well doing than for evil doing. You might be ridiculed a lot. You might be carried away in conversation amongst their buddies and stuff like this, but it'd be better to suffer that than to suffer for the evil that you did because you didn't handle it right or you got involved because all of a sudden you're a hypocrite. Turn to Titus chapter 3, verse 1. Titus 3, 1. The Christian is commanded to be ready to do every good work. We need to be ready for every good work. Titus chapter 3 verse 1. Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work. Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 27. Proverbs 3, 27. Withhold not good from them to whom it is due. When it is in thine power, in thine hand, uh, what is in the power of thine hand to do it. If you have the power to help somebody out, if you have the means to help somebody out, if you help them... I mean, it might be monetarily. You give them money to do it. Don't do a borrowing thing. Well, I'll give it to you. You got to send it back to me. You know. You know. Just give it up. God will provide it. So we see that it's in our power to do good because God is good in us and through us if we trust Him. Look at Matthew chapter 5. As far as Proverbs 3, although the Christian should not be withholden to others for favors, he should manifest a spirit of gratitude and should be willing to return legitimate a legitimate favor. Paying our debts can apply here as well. If you have a debt, pay it. That's the bank, that's the institution, whatever it might be, pay it. Matthew chapter 5, verse 44, which says, To do good under these circumstances is totally unnatural. 
and would have to be a manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit. And the Scripture says, But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. How easy is that? When you're getting pounded, and they're laughing at you. Just go and praise God that you're a testimony. You know, you do that internally. You praise God you're a testimony and that God has chosen you to take that hit and stand firm on your beliefs in the Word of God and with strength and not with pride, but with humility so that in it, it keeps you strong because of His power, not yours. And finally, First Timothy, First Timothy chapter six, First Timothy chapter six. What a shame that so many that are rich in this world's goods miss the great opportunity afforded to them to do good with with that which they have entrusted have been entrusted with. God entrusts us to do different things. He's given us certain things. He's taught us different things in the Word of God, and He entrusts us with what we have, whether it be physically mentally, emotionally, whatever it would be. He's given us this knowledge based on the Word of God so that we can be a testimony to the lost around us. What is the only reason why we're still here? Why are we still here? Did you ask yourself, what is God doing here? We should be gone. It's getting worse. How far is our sight picture? You know, how long is our sight picture? Well, our sight picture probably starts somewhere around junior high to high school when we start seeing current events and seeing trouble and seeing, you know, the bully fights and being picked on as a kid and things like that all the way up until we die. And we go to be with the Lord. That's our sight picture. Where's God's sight picture? It is huge. I don't know how long we're going to be here. But the longer we're here, the more we need to be constant with our testimony and constant with what this book says. So, 1 Timothy chapter 6. Let me... Turn there because I added one there in First Timothy chapter six says in verse seventeen, charge them that are rich in this world that they be not highly minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. Verse eighteen, that they are good. And they that are rich in good works 
ready to distribute, willing to communicate. God has given us things so we could use them, not for just ourselves, because we can use some of those things for ourselves, but use for others, to help others. In 1 Timothy, it says that willing to communicate. How do we communicate? Well, we can communicate by works, by doing the job. You know, realizing it too that it's just a job and it's not supposed to be our God or the money that's made on it, but also the fact that you're sticking to it in being a good employee or a good boss or whatever it might be. But also that you can communicate with the people that are around you what is in you, that there is goodness. As a Christian, isn't goodness or being good expected of us? Even from the lost world, it is expected of us. So we can go honestly before people and not be hypocrite in testimony and show goodness through the life that we lead so we can be a help and communicate and, and win over that person that you've been praying for by His grace. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for what you've done for us on the cross, Lord, that there's so many things that we see through this study of the fruits of the Spirit that uh, I, I even see that, oh, i got to do more on this. i got to really work harder on this. And uh, you're good, Lord. You're patient. We can trust in you to help us through some, some of these things. Help us, Lord, even if not for anything, to be that testimony before our children, young or old, so that we can communicate the good works, the goodness that you've provided because you're good. Thank you for this time, Lord, and I pray that you would bless the rest of this service, be with Pastor as he preaches, Lord. Give him wisdom, direction, and comfort in this time. And strengthen him, Lord, continually. Heal him continually, Lord. These things I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.